Hello. And welcome to another episode of Where's My Freaking Dressing Room, a podcast discussing the world of classical music and what things are really like backstage. I'm Alex. And I'm Helen. Thanks for joining us for another episode in our mental health mini week series. Today in our short, we're going to be exploring the idea of inner calm, looking at how well we're able to find inner peace, but also discussing the benefits of meditation, nature and therapy. For today's short, we're delighted to be joined by old friend and choral conductor, Quintin Beer. Quintin is the director of music at St. Peter's College, Oxford. He's the choral director at the junior department of the Royal Academy of Music, and he's an associate conductor of renowned vocal ensemble, Ex Cathedra. Alongside his conducting, Quintin moonlights as a baritone, which is how we all met. Quintin studied music at St. John's College, Cambridge, where we first got to know him and became firm friends. So Quintin, a big, big welcome to the pod. Hey guys, thanks very much for having me. We're delighted to have you. You know, let's get straight into it and, uh, and get started. In a calm, I think it's probably worth us, you know, as a three kind of having a chat as to whether we feel familiar with a sense of inner calm. Uh, Quentin, are you regularly calm? Do you know how to access inner calm? Is that is that something that comes easily to you? <laughs> it's n- it's not something that comes easily to me. I think I have to, I have to work at it. What what would how would you define inner calm? Maybe we should start from there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I suppose like from my end. I'm always aware of when I've been calm because I'm fully aware when I'm anxious. It's almost like when I recognize that I'm anxious, I'm like, oh, a couple of days ago, I was really quite relaxed. Whereas now I'm like, not relaxed at all. And like, for me, it's definitely something to do with like the speed of everything running in my head. So like, if it's going at quite a natural speed, I'm like, oh, this is lovely. Whereas like in those more stressful times it's a bit like and I I can't really control it as well maybe I don't know I I think I don't chase calmness I don't chase it because I think it's it's often um the 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 nature of our work and sometimes the music itself is not calm if you're doing a piece of music which is fundamentally not calm how can you sort of access that so I think what I've I think to be honest subconsciously throughout the last year or so I've been making a difference between um, calmness and balance, if that makes sense. And uh, balance can mean that actually you are holding these challenges that we encounter in our profession in tension with each other. And you can have competing uh, priorities, responsibilities, all in one place. And um, that doesn't mean that you always have to be searching for calm, because sometimes it just truthfully can't be calm. If I try and search for calmness, um, it doesn't always work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I like that idea though of like looking for things that help you kind of cope with managing that that kind of balance. I I think that's a really really nice way of looking at it. How about you, Al? Do you? <laughs> How about you, my Do calm I find friend? in a calm ever? No. Um, yeah, I I actually think of it as like holding two shopping bags as well. Actually, the sort of balance thing. Um, you know, I love my analogies. So you know, when when things in on one section of my life, be it I don't know tutoring or relationship or singing or whatever when that is pulling more one way then I'm I'm out of kilter and I'm not I'm not in equilibrium anymore so I don't feel calm because something is taking up too much of my mind yeah it's not about emptying my mind per se but just like readjusting the balance you know moving the milk carton over to the other 
other shopping bag. I definitely find ways to um, re-equalize. I mean, I do. I do take medication. Uh, I've been on. Uh, I've been on SSRIs since uh, last September. So okay. I take that every day, and it was something I'd never thought I would do. Actually, um, it's for anxiety rather than depression, but it's for anxiety, which I never really realised I had, but. I did. And then as soon as it was sort of pointed out to me, I thought, oh yeah, that makes sense. That has made a big difference to just stabilising the extremes, actually, that I was encountering. Not that I was ever really, it wasn't ever seriously bad, but it has just allowed me to to feel more balanced more of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can really relate to that. Uh, I take medication for anxiety as well. And like in a similar way, uh, actually I was saying to Alex the other day, I forgot to take it. And I was so unbelievably aware of like the huge effects it plays on like my my extremes, my extremes of my anxiety and how it helps me to kind of self-assess, reanalyze and, and not control, but manage per se, some of the difficulties within within that kind of arena. So I, yeah, I can, I can really, really understand that. And I think there is, we're starting to talk about these various kind of coping mechanisms. Yeah, there were a few things that we wanted to talk about today with you, uh, you know, stuff that we've chatted about in the past. And uh, to kick things off, um, we wanted to talk a little bit to you about meditation, you know, something that I know we've all used to kind of look for a sense of, of grounding, a sense of stabilization. I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about your experiences with meditation. Yeah, so um, a mutual friend of ours, actually, um, uh, Johnny, he introduced me to meditation. He had done a course and he recommended it to me. And I, I did that course in, in January 2020. And it was marketed as this, anyone can meditate. Um, it's really easy. It doesn't take any effort. And I tried before and had found it unbelievably difficult. And I just felt terrified about being left alone with my thoughts. And, uh, you know, what would I, what would I encounter? What would I, what would I do? Um, I, then this course taught me how to do it. Um, it's a mantra-based sort of meditation, and I found I could do it straight away. And um, and I did it uh, basically exclusively and routinely throughout the first lockdown in 2020, twice, 20 minutes twice a day. I've since lapsed, actually, but, but I, I still know how to do it. It comes in useful because I do know how to do it. Yeah, it's, it's something which I kind of go in and out with. I do find when I do it more it's much easier to access a kind of inner calm. Other things seem to settle down as well. My my gut as well, which is a huge thing to which plays up when I'm anxious, as it was quite common, I think, um, it does tend to settle that. Um, and yeah, that sort of thing. I mean, it's, I, 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 do, I like meditating. Um, I wouldn't say I'm very good at it, but it, uh, it's something which I've learned how to do through a teacher. What do you mean by you don't think you're very good at it? Well, I, I think before I did that course, I thought that meditating, you had to sort of get a result out of it. You know, if you were meditating and you're, th- and I know they say, you know, just allow the thoughts to come and go. Um, and I, that just sounds really difficult because there are just so many thoughts. And, and I still, when I meditate, I still obviously have lots of thoughts um, which, which come and go. But I think what I've learned is, is not to judge it. And if I'm having a meditation which lasts 20 minutes and it's full of thoughts, but for one second of that 20 minutes, actually I'm completely thoughtless, um, then that's good. I mean, that's a, that's a successful one but even if it you know sometimes that doesn't happen sometimes it's more than a few seconds so I think that's 
I guess somewhere I'm still thinking that meditation is sort of better if you have uh, longer stretches of, of no thoughts where actually that's not how it works. Uh, but there's still in my mind, it's a kind of misconception about what meditation is. And sometimes I trick myself into thinking that I'm not very good at it when actually just doing it in, in itself is, is a good thing. I feel like we're perhaps all quite similar in the sense that when we do something, we want to achieve something from it. So, and you kind of have to put that aside, don't you, when you meditate? And it's like, no, 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 I'm just, I'm just doing this, not for a mark at the end. There's no exam. Uh, you know, you can just, you can just be, sit with yourself for a bit. I was just going to ask you, would it be something that you would turn to? I know you're saying you practice less, i.e., like not every day, but say like. I don't know, you felt you, you needed something and you knew meditation could kind of potentially help with that. Would it be something you would turn to, like something in your toolkit that you can use to kind of, I don't know, help you manage certain situations, help you cope maybe? So I think it is in my toolkit, um, but it really just depends on the context I, I find myself in. So um, usually if I want to um, get away from something or, or escape or um, try and rebalance to be honest, what I usually do is I, I have a, 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 a quiet night in by myself and I turn off all my digital devices and read, basically. And that's, that's, that's the best thing I do to switch off. Um, and I, I, at a kind of local daily level, I find that's, that's much easier to kind of do because it's a, it involves a series of things. It involves tidying the flat and, uh, and you know, sorting everything out and then turning off the... Uh, t turning off my phone and then you know having a bath and then getting into bed or whatever you know that process really works for me when I have longer stretches so um, for example next week I'm go actually going on a silent retreat which I've done before um, so I probably will meditate for quite a lot of it um, because it's just it's something to do and pass the time and it's the sort of perfect environment in which to do it I think that's why you know the, the meditation that I practiced well practice is you're meant to do it anywhere. You're meant to be able to do it anywhere on a train, on a you know, on a busy park bench or whatever. But of course, it's not going to be as straightforward as doing it in a peaceful retreat centre outside of a city. So context really matters for most people when it comes to meditating. Uh, but for me, particularly, it's much easier to do it when you're away from from things. Um, even though sometimes I try and do it in the middle. I was going to ask about your, because you do chakra meditation or something, don't you, Helen? Me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I do, I do. Probably it's slightly different to Quentin in that I started I started mindfulness. Remember when it became like a really like Remember. thing? It was a big thing everyone did. But like, I think it must have been 2015 or 2016 and I got Headspace, I got the app. And I was like, yeah, I need Headspace. And um, actually, because I think it was like right at the kind of early stage of Headspace, it wasn't too big at that point. So I didn't have to pay for it. And I think I got pretty much the whole like package and I could do it. And having somebody like talking to me and guiding me through some kind of meditative process, I found was super, super helpful. I was working through some emotional stuff. So it, it gave me like a space in which even if I didn't feel I was necessarily making progress, it was just a space to kind of deal with whatever was going on there and, and, you know, let it have its moment before going on with the rest of my day. And then 
I found for me like Headspace kind of, it wasn't that it stopped having value. I just felt that I had kind of gleaned from that particular app, everything I could kind of get from it at that time. So I have like another app now, which is called Insight Timer. And it's like a free directory of meditations. And so like, depending on how I'm feeling or what I need, I'll put like keywords into this directory. And then you can like search for various meditations and stuff. I tend to turn to it at certain times. So if I'm feeling more anxious, if I'm struggling to sleep if I'm struggling to just turn my brain off I might tend to and like do a meditation or whatever depending on how I'm feeling but yeah alongside that I also do like chakra based meditation which was more just for like a general sense of well-being and yeah you're saying that because you saw the book on my shelf which is like yes. essential chakra meditation and um it's like it's just what I like about it is it's less uh, it's less directly situational. So like with the Headspace app and with this other app, it's like I'm feeling a certain way. I'm going to write it into this app and then the app will help me deal with this problem. Whereas like having a book of chakra meditations is more like listening to your body, seeing where like there's maybe like a, they call it like blocks, like where there are like energy blocks in your body and you kind of have to think about that and then you meditate on it. And um Again, it's one of those things I, I go in and out. Sometimes I, I, I do it daily, sometimes every couple of weeks. It's just, it really depends how much I feel I need it. But um, I think, yeah, we've all had a period where we've like regularly practiced meditation. And I, I think there's, there's great benefit to be had there, even if you're not now necessarily doing it on such a regular basis. I do reach for it more immediately than I actually realize, but, but only in how it um, connects to the breath. And um, now I do actually find myself quite frequently, for example, if I, I really hate running for trains and things, or if, I, if I'm catching a train, and as a musician, I'm always traveling, and um, I was getting really stressed out by trains. I find I've now been able to be aware of my pattern of thinking, possibly through the meditation, that if I find myself in that place, I just take a few deep breaths. It is the most simple thing. I think as a, and as a musician, you know, our, life is, our lives are so noisy, um, that's why I, I kind of seek out these retreats and, and um, that, that form of meditation, actually. Uh, but yeah, just I just take some deep breaths and things just calm down immediately. Oh, I love that. That's really nice, especially as singers. Alex, we should, we should do that more. We should just breathe. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> we what, should learn to breathe. I think that would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I think from then kind of going inwards, thinking about meditation, thinking about working like within ourselves and taking like that time to reflect on our inner state. I think there's also, you know, as we all agree, a great benefit in turning outwards and looking towards nature and to our, you know, what's around us for a sense of, of inner calm, if you will. Yeah, we were wondering like, Quinton, for you, how do you use your surroundings to kind of help your well-being? I have houseplants. <laughs> I mean, to be really, to be really frank about it, I actually, I actually find nature sort of quite overwhelming. <laughs> the sea, for instance, I find just terrifying. It's this, mm-hmm. it's this thing which is completely amoral, which doesn't care who you are. It will just devour you, and I kind of respect it. And also, I look at it and I get overwhelmed by the sheer massiveness of it. Likewise, when I when I ever see stars as well, I can find that quite overwhelming. It's it you just feel somehow connected, um, and it it it's that thing which sometimes you find during a meditation or moments of music making where you just feel a 
a connection to something bigger and and I get that sometimes by looking at the sea or uh, looking at stars so I think I, I to be honest I'm quite wary of nature <laughs> it's just interesting to hear someone who doesn't view nature in the like god I crave it I need the sea I need to to ground me and you know find my calm okay well Al do you love nature go on I I Oh Christ! I share it's the just same me. apprehension oh. of the stars. I really don't like looking at the stars when I see lots of stars in the sky because isn't it that every star is like our sun with a solar system, uh, with its own system of planets around it, right? And that is really overwhelming to me. So don't look up at the sky. Luckily, London so hazy, <laughs> you know, can't lovely. see the stars. Thank God. Lovely, lovely hazy London. I really, I really do like the sound of the sea. I love being by the sea more than anything. I really do. Uh, I don't think about what's inside it. Uh, I just, I like it because it's like, it's like a breath, the sea, and I can sync up with it, which I find yes. very calming. Like when you hear, um, I was at a concert yesterday, actually, and the guy behind me, he was just breathing like really loudly and I found it extremely calming. Uh, <laughs> just because I you can hear. really unsettling. That's not I mean, calming I, at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Are you but insane? No, <laughs> otherwise, I'm really not a nature boy, actually. I much prefer... Like, ah, uh, like walking around cobbled streets. I love cobbled streets so much. They really calm me because I can think about all the history. I can imagine horses and carriages going down it. I can imagine people, I don't know, throwing buckets of poo out their window or something. Or just, you know, anything that takes me so like, into history. And then my brain can just be like, ah, look at this image around me. Yeah, I really like old buildings. That's, that's, my, that's my nature, I think. Um, so Helen, I think you're going to be the only one. Please, please change. Okay. Yeah, go on. I like nature. I really like it. it just, I, it's funny actually because both of you there have described like nature as like. So you're saying about like the stars or the sea and the idea that like the sheer size of it makes you maybe like anxious or wary or whatever. Like for me, it it just. I don't know. I I take like a weird kind of comfort and solace in the fact that I am just this small part of this like massive massive organism and i don't know when i when i think about it in that context it's almost like a weight is taken off me i'm just like hey i'm just i'm just one person going about my business like and look at the sheer size scale and scope of everything around me and i don't know for me there's just something settling about that and like when i'm able to kind of just be out and like on a, i don't know like on a really nice walk in nature i can just slow it down a bit and and yeah, I guess I crave that. And then the last little bit of our kind of mini episode that we wanted to chat through today was therapy and whether, Q, you have any experiences that you'd want to share with us here on the pod about, about therapy. I mean, you did just look really excited when I said that. So I love therapy. Crossing my fingers, you're ready to go. <laughs> therapy is the best. Well, actually, fine. The combination of meditation and therapy is really, really good because meditation you know, stuff comes up. That's what they say. Stuff comes up when you meditate and things that you don't want to think about suddenly you're confronted with. And then what what I've done with my meditation is if something comes up, I think, okay, that's interesting. I might raise that in a therapy session. So it's quite a good combination. I went, I went traveling for three weeks in South America and I did this trek there in, in Bolivia, which was amazing. And I kind of went out there um, with some questions, you know, about about me, basically, and thought this would be give me the space to sort of answer them. And then I came back with more questions. 
and uh, I thought that I, I really wanted to work on me and um, but I'm going to need some help so I um, that's when I started therapy so I, I um, one of the big things for me was um, I was never certain about um, like the confidence of my own relationships with other people um, in a a romantic way as well as a friendship way um, and so I went to relate the the therapy company um, to do with relationships uh, for some signposts basically and they pointed me in the direction of psychodynamic therapy so uh, like a slightly less intense version of psychotherapy and then um, uh, I've th- then I saw the counsellor at the Royal Academy of Music where I did my masters uh, which was fantastic and then when I graduated from there I I've, I've found my current therapist who I've been with for um, for over two years now and so I see him once a week and it is just the best form of self-care I can I can yeah. describe it's to have a whole 50 minutes to talk about you <laughs> it's, it's just fantastic yeah. Yeah. and I've learned just to be super honest in there um really upfront. um it's just I actually see it as a kind of spiritual practice actually um and it's a discipline I've never ever missed a session and um yeah, I thoroughly recommend it. I just think it's the best thing. Yeah. How about you, Al? Have you, you kind of dabbled in therapy at all? I have a little bit. Um, I I struggled to be totally honest and frank, and I just hid things, which wasn't very good, obviously. And I, it's, yeah, it's something that I'm meaning to go back to. What I find really useful, sort of self-therapy, I suppose, is writing it down, my thoughts, and then reading it out loud to myself. Because reading it is one thing in my head, but then if I'm saying it out loud, I can hear myself say it, and that does put a lot into perspective. It's not so much working through things. It's if I'm, it's if I'm overthinking things, I think, such as whatever, social situations or a rehearsal, something that happens. If I write it down and then speak it out loud, I'm like, oh, okay, come on, that's a little bit silly, isn't it? But I'm not, I did do some and tried to like talk about deeper things and whatever, but I, I didn't find the right fit. I didn't trust them. Yeah. So I didn't open up. And I think that's such a, that's such an important part of it, finding the right person for you. Cause I remember talking to someone and they were like, oh, well, what, you know, what if I don't connect with my therapist? And it's like, well, then you need another therapist. And like, it's not just the case mm. of the first person you go to will be the right person. It's it's like, I don't know, like a singing teacher or a, or, or a tutor, whatever. You need to be able to find that, the relationship of trust that you feel, you know, this person is able to support and help you through whatever it might be that you're, that you're facing at that time. How long have you been with yours, Helen? Now, two years, two and a half, something like that. Yeah, I I don't regret it at all. Like I it's absolutely something that I need to to help me. And I was talking to somebody about it like I can't afford a huge number of sessions. I it's twice a month because that's the money I have. But like I I know that I need it. And I was talking to someone and she was like, "Yeah, that should like it should be like an an essential outgoing. Essentially that that money that you pay for it because it helps you you know go about your day and 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 do the things you need to do." So yeah, I I really try and see it that way because yeah, it's it's such a crucial support. I think it's not only it's not only um, support for me, which it absolutely is. It means I can just I can go there and I can complain about something, or I can I can say how I really feel, or I can say you know I'm actually really scared about this thing, and I just don't I'm scared about telling this person or whatever. You know, there's there's that sort of um, if you like material part of it. You know, you're you're getting support for specific uh, things. 
but I find that the places that you go in the therapy room uh, is just, I, I find it fascinating, actually. Yeah, I agree. And to also just have that kind of self-knowledge. I think that's something we've spoken about quite a lot on this podcast in a ton of different contexts, like having self-knowledge and how helpful that self-knowledge can be in all kinds of different settings. But like, yeah, you know, therapy is one of the real places that you gain self-knowledge because you have to dig back into, you know, X, Y, Z for whatever reason. And like, yeah, the the growth and development that can come out of that. Yeah, I, I, I think it's unparalleled. And like, I... I really feel like everybody, we should all have therapy. You know what I mean? Like whether you're having, I, I don't necessarily think it should be like if you're having a difficult time, go to therapy. I'm like, no, we should all have therapy all the time because it's so, so valuable. You don't you don't need to be in crisis to have therapy. It's just a really good part of your self-care routine. What other space are you in where you're one-on-one -on -one with someone once a week for 50 minutes? I mean, the only thing I can think of is is like a date <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i think that's a lovely way actually for us to kind of round up this little short episode here on inner calm thank you so much for joining us quentin and for sharing some of your thoughts and ideas and like yeah it's it's been so so interesting to hear your your various experiences and thoughts on a lot of these topics so yeah thank you for your for your time where can people find you if they want to check out a bit more about you where where should they go and look my website is easily the, the best place to, to find me, quintinbeer.com. There's a nice contact form there, which goes straight into my inbox. Fantastic. And of course, here at the podcast, you know how to get in touch with us. You can catch us on our website, com. If they want to email us, Al, how can they do that? Uh, they can do it on our email address, which is wheresmyfreakingdressingroom at gmail.com. We also have our socials, of course, Helen. Yep, you can catch us on Facebook forward slash dressingroompod. You can catch us on Instagram at dressingroompod, or you can catch us on Twitter at dressingroompo1. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll be back with another episode soon. Bye. Bye.